Thank you so much. Uh, it's really, really good uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, we're taking a break this morning from our series on the Apostles' Creed as it's uh, dedications morning and Father's Day. So good to be with you for these dedications. We, I've just been down at the town centre. We dedicated three children um, down there. There's um, a couple more, I think, in the 11.30 meeting. So exciting uh, to be with the families as they dedicate these, these children. Really, really important day. So we're going to dip straight into the Bible. Um, we're going to go straight into Psalm 121 um, this morning. This is the passage that I, I believe the Lord steered me towards. As I, as I asked him about this morning and what he wanted to say to his church, I felt he led me to Psalm 121. Um, I believe the Lord's going to speak to us all today. There are things he wants to say to these children, to Jensen and James, um, for them this morning, to the parents as well. But also to us as a wider church, I believe the Lord wants to say things here to remind us of things, to reveal things to us this morning. He's a God who speaks. So wherever we are, whatever stage of life we're at, let's be open to the Lord speaking to us this morning. So Psalm 121, if you've got a Bible, you can follow it in there. If not, then it will be on the screen behind me. So Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage with familiar words. Thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, we do pray that you would speak to us this morning that you'd remind us of who you are, that you'd reveal new things to us, you'd underline things, Lord God, in this passage to us, so that we might know you better, Jesus, that we might enjoy you, we might live for you, we might go out of here later on this morning with a greater sense of who you are. And we ask that, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, you'll notice, if you are following that passage in your Bible, that Psalm 121 is called a song of ascent. Now, there are 15 of these in the book of Psalms, and each year the Jewish pilgrims would travel to Jerusalem for the Jewish festivals. And the city of Jerusalem is on a hill, so as they walked up to the hill of Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms together, these songs of ascent. So it's a song for a journey. Psalm 121 is a song for a journey. But as well as picturing an actual journey, there's a lot we can, that we can learn from it about the journey of life. There's a lot we can learn about the journey of life. So what sort of journey does it describe? Well, I think it pictures quite a difficult journey. It pictures a hostile environment, and there are dangers around, things that have potential to cause us harm. And we all know that life can be like that. And these children, Jensen and James, this morning being dedicated, will probably already have experienced that in some ways, that there are things in life that are difficult, things that have the potential to harm them. And as they grow up through childhood and through their teenage years and into adulthood, they'll face all kinds of challenges. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. See, the Bible is a realistic book. It never paints life to be rosy or trouble-free. It's not out of touch with reality. 
But it does have plenty to say about how we can live this life really, really well. So there's two things I want to look at this morning, two quite simple things. See, these dedications mornings are all about promises. We saw just a moment ago the the parents making promises to their children and the families and friends of these parents making promises to support them. We're going to look at two things this morning. We're going to look at our commitment, kind of our promise to God, and then more we're going to look at his promise to us, what he promises to us. So first, what is our commitment to God? Well, put in quite simple terms, I think it's this that we look to him, that we look to him. The psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I believe there are moments in all of our lives when we realize that we need help. For me, one of those moments was when I first became a dad, when we had our first daughter, Natalie, um, about nine and a half years ago. We got three kids, Natalie, who's nine, Sam, who's seven, and Anna, who's three, um, and w- before we had Natalie, we'd done all the classes, we, we were taught about what it was going to be like to be parents, but nothing really prepares you for the reality of parenting, for how exhausting it is. Here's a picture of me looking after my daughter, Natalie. <laughs> so Natalie's beside me there in the pushchair. Do you know, I was looking at this picture yesterday, I have no idea where we are in that picture. <laughs> you can, there's, a, there's a kind of bigger picture there, you can't quite see it, but the people there in the background... I don't recognize a single person in the background in that photograph. I've got no idea where we were. My only hope is that whoever took that photograph was looking after our daughter at that point. But it's exhausting. We need help. I wonder, how are you at asking for help? I don't know what things you're facing in your life right now, but for some of us, this is something that we struggle with, that we, to recognize our need for help and to ask for it. Of course, in many places, in many areas of life these days, we don't even need to ask because there's, there's something online, there's a YouTube video that will tell us how to do it. There's practical support. But we all need help. And on a deeper level, we all need help. Human beings are capable of incredible things. And I don't say that lightly. Over the years, there have been exceptional advances in things like medicine and technology and science, some of which are absolutely mind-blowing and completely life-changing. The trouble is, in all that we've achieved as human beings, I wonder, do we sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that we're self-sufficient and that we can manage on our own? I was chatting to someone just a couple of weeks ago who said to me, I've got by completely fine in my life without needing God. That's how a lot of people feel, particularly particularly in this part of the world, I think, where everything we have is so accessible, everything we need is there. I wonder, do you feel like that? That you can get by completely fine in your life without needing God. Here's the thing, for all we're able to do, for all our achievements, human beings have never come up with solutions for the deeper things in life. For the capacity that we have to be wonderfully kind and brilliant and selfless one moment, and then fearful and selfish and insecure the next. Or maybe that's just me. But our capacity to break stuff to break things like promises and relationships. We've never come up with solutions to our shame and our deepest anxieties. And what about those moments when we face real suffering? When we come up against things like death and we stand and we realize we're completely powerless and there's literally nothing we can do. What happens then? See, when it comes down to it, our self-sufficiency is a myth. The psalmist asks, where does my help come from? And then he answers himself, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
So he acknowledges his need for help, and then he recognizes the source of his help. That it's the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who created the universe. He's the one who helps us. We're utterly dependent on him. Every breath that we have is a gift from him. He gives us our life, and he gives us our salvation. That word at the start of the psalm we read, where he said, where where does my help come from? That word help is the Hebrew word ezer. And it means more than just assistance. See, when it's used in the Old Testament, it refers to powerful acts of rescue and support. So what help does God provide? Well, he provides exactly the help that we need. So Romans 5 verse 6 says this, that when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were powerless... Another translation says, when we were helpless, when we were utterly powerless to help ourselves, the maker of heaven and earth died for us. The God who made us and knows us and understands us and sees all our brokenness and knows the impact that it has on us and on other people, he gave himself for us. Jesus. He lives the life that we cannot ever live And then on the cross, he gives himself for us and takes the punishment for everything that we've done and said and thought that is wrong. That's the gospel. And on the the cross, and as he comes through the cross and, and through death, he overcomes death. So that even death is not the end for us. So it's an answer even to death. You know, the gospel isn't just an added extra. This is the answer to our deepest needs as human beings. We are completely dependent on him and he gives us exactly what we need. That we're forgiven. That we're set free. That we're rescued by Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, have you confessed your powerlessness to God? Your utter dependence on him? Do you depend on him for your salvation? And do you depend on him for your day-to-day life? Because here's the extraordinary thing. That as we look to him, as we look to Jesus and put our trust in him for our salvation, he promises to watch over us, to watch over our whole lives. That is his promise to you this morning. So in verses three to eight of the psalm that I read to you, the words watches over are used five times. He watches over your comings and goings. He watches over your life. He watches over you. Notice it's not just that he watches you, It's that he watches over you. Those two things, I think, are very different. Because we can have this view of God that he watches us, but he's kind of like this policeman or like like Ofsted. So he's kind of watching us, but he's, he's trying to kind of mark us down. He's looking for areas of life where we're not doing things well so that he can mark us down and make us look like we're even more of a failure than we already feel. I wonder, do you ever view God like that? I think I've viewed God like that at times. See, that view of God, if you see God like that, it never leads to to freedom. That view of God will lead to you striving and working hard and trying to please him. And it might be that you're doing all the right stuff on the outside, all good stuff, and you're very busy. But on the inside, you'll never find peace if you see God like that. You'll never find peace if you see God like that. And you'll never take risks if you see God like that. Because what if you mess up? What if you make a mistake? But he's not just the God who watches, he's the God who watches over you. That's what he promises to you this morning. So what does it look like to live a watched over life? 
Well, first of all, I believe it means a life of relationship. That a watched over life is a life of relationship. Verse 5 says, he will not let your foot slip. What does he mean by that? I don't know about you, but there's plenty of times in my life when I feel like my feet are slipping. When I feel like things are going wrong, that I've not really, things are a bit out of control. Or when I'm facing failure or disappointment, it feels like my, my feet are slipping. Well, is it a promise that we'll never face difficulty as Christians? Does it mean that we'll never have to deal with those things like failure and disappointment? Well, no, it's not that. It's not a promise that nothing will ever go wrong. It's a promise that no one and nothing can ever snatch you from his hand. That's what he's promising to you, that he's always with you. In the times when you know and feel and experience his presence, and the times when you feel like you're on your own, he is completely with you. If you put your trust in Jesus for your salvation, then nothing can ever take you from him. And the reason is is this, it's because you're on a rock that can never be moved. That you're on the rock of Jesus. And nothing will ever let your foot slip from that rock. He has his hand on you. He will not let that happen. So Paul, one of the founders of the early church, whose life had been turned around by an encounter with Jesus, he puts it like this, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He holds on to you. He will not let your foot slip. See, in this, he is the perfect father. Because parents, you know this, your kids will do things that wind you up. I had a moment this week where I was walking through a car park, a crowded car park, holding on to our three-year-old Anna, and she was screaming and she was kicking, and all I could do was just kind of hold her and walk her to a car and place her in the car seat, and that was hard. And everyone's looking on, and it's horrible. (laughs) Did I enjoy that moment? No. Did I like her in that moment? Not particularly. (laughs) But I love her. And no temper tantrum is ever going to change that. She's mine. And my eyes are on her because I love her. And I'm an imperfect father. But God is the perfect father. And he watches over you. And your life there is a life of relationship. And he will not let your foot slip. Nothing, nothing can separate you from his love. And he likes you. He likes you. And the truth is, there are times when we will break our commitment to God. We will look to other things, but he will never, ever break his promise to you. He loves you, and he will not let your foot slip. I love the intimacy in this psalm. Verse 7 says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. You're in his shade. You're in his shadow. This is a recurring theme in the psalm. So in Psalm 17, it says, hide me in the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 57, it says, in the shadow of your wings, I'll take refuge. In Psalm 63, it says, in the shadow of your wings, I'll sing for joy. So he's our hiding place. He's our refuge. He's the reason that we sing. This psalm is all about intimacy and closeness with God. And yes, there are dangers on the journey. But when you're a Christian, you are safe. Why? Because nothing can take you from his hand. Even in death, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will see him face to face. Jude 24 says this, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. 
He will not let your foot slip. He'll keep you from stumbling. This is my experience of what God is like. Ever since I put my trust in him, he has been so faithful to me. He's never let my foot slip. He's never set me up to fail. He's always watched over my life. So a watched over life is a life of relationship. What else is it? Well, I believe it's a life of rest. It's a life of rest. The psalmist goes on. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I love that. Our God doesn't doze. He doesn't nod off. And he never falls into a deep sleep. And that means that we can, that we can rest. More than a third of adults say they struggle with insomnia. I'm one of them. Really struggle with sleep quite often. Things just kind of running around my head. There are apps now that can track how much sleep you're getting. The trouble is, a recent article said that sleep tracking apps are making people so anxious and obsessed about the amount of sleep they're getting (laughs) that they are developing insomnia. But our God watches over us day and night. You know, in this too, he's the perfect father. I remember the early days with Natalie, that every tiny little noise she made, I was awake. Every kind of shuffle of her blanket, every noise she made out of her nose, I kind of, I'd woke up and I'd think, is that normal? Is that okay? I've heard parents of older teenagers say that when their kids are out, they never really sleep until they hear the key in the front door and they know their kids are safe. Well, our Father watches over us night and day. Not because he's anxious, but because he doesn't grow tired. He doesn't need to rest because he's God. But we do because we're dependent human beings. I love how John Piper puts it. He says this, Sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. The sickness is a chronic tendency to think we're in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. He goes on to say, The Lord is not nearly so impressed with our late nights and early mornings as he is with the peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and sleeps. You know, in Matthew's Gospel, there's the story of Jesus and his disciples in a boat. And there's a storm raging and the disciples are panicking. But Jesus is resting. Jesus is asleep. How can he sleep? Because he knows that he's being watched over by his father. That even in a storm, he was safe. If you know the Lord this morning, then even in a storm, you can rest. I don't know what storms you're facing this morning, but God's promise to you is this, that he watches over you, that you can rest in the storm. A watched over life is a life of rest. And finally, a watched over life is a life of risk. As I was thinking about this morning and praying about this morning and thinking, what kind of life is it we want for these kids who are being dedicated this morning? And I thought, what kind of life is it I want for my own children? And what kind of life is it I want for myself? See, we want to be safe, but surely we were made for more than just safety. The Christian writer John Ortberg says this, The scriptures alternate between calls to hair-raising risks and assurances of impregnable security. So when we look at the lives of the great followers of God, we see this combination of breathtaking risks with an almost brazen confidence of being safe in God's hands. I love that. Brazen confidence and breathtaking risks. Those two things ought to go together. 
That actually when we depend on him and not on ourselves, and when we know that nothing at all can ever take us from his hands, then it ought to lead to courage and to risk and to adventure. See, we're talking about being dependent on God. When we talk about dependency, it often has a negative connotation. When we think about being dependent on something or someone, then it's the opposite of freedom. But with God, it's different. Dependence on God doesn't take away our freedom. Dependence on God gives us freedom. Freedom to run. Freedom to risk. Freedom to say yes to him. And you know, that's what you see in the Bible. These people of faith. David taking on the giant Goliath because he knew God was with him. Moses challenging Pharaoh. The followers of Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead and changing the world. See, the more we trust the Father's promise to watch over us, the more likely we are to take risks. A watched over life shouldn't just be a quiet, easy, comfortable life. It ought to be a life of adventure and risk. Surely that's the life we want for these kids we're dedicating this morning. That's the, that's the life I want for my kids. That's the life I want for myself. Is that the life you're experiencing this morning? Are you experiencing a life of relationship with him? Are you experiencing a life of rest? Are you experiencing a life of great risks? If not, then why not ask the Father to enlarge your vision of who he is, to show you how close he is to you and how he sees you. The Father's promise to you this morning is this, that when you look to Jesus for your salvation, he will watch over your life. As I finish, how can you be sure that the Father will keep his promise to you? Well, you look to the cross. You look to the cross. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Well, on the hill outside Jerusalem, God demonstrated once and for all that he is the great promise keeper. That Jesus, as he gave himself for you on that cross, he held nothing back. He died so that you could know life. In this, God demonstrated his love for you. So where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. May he watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen.